Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Today I'm sharing a message I've entitled, This is the Victory. This is the victory. I get this from 1 John 5, 4. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes. Say, overcomes. Overcomes. Who here has been born of God? If you've asked Jesus into your heart, if you've made him your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says that you are born of God, you are born again, and that you overcome the world. We are in the world. We are not of the world. Why do bad things happen? Because we are in a world that has been affected by sin. It's an imperfect place. It's been affected by Satan. There is an enemy. And because it's full of imperfect people. No one imperfect is here today. I know that that no one will will cause pain or trouble or anything like that here today. Everyone here. um, But this is the victory that overcomes the world. I I love it. It goes on here. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Say this. Say this is the victory. This is the victory that has overcome, that has overcome the world, our faith. I love that. You know, in the, in the world, we will face um, trying situations. This is, again, it's not a perfect world. And, and, and if there's a situation, if there's a circumstance, if there's something going on that isn't good, it's not from God. 90% of Christian preachers don't understand this that there is a devil, and the devil does bad things. And because he's done bad things, there are also like ripple effects of the bad things that have happened from, from, from the devil, from sin, from people's imperfections. But God does not cause evil. He is not the author of evil. God is completely 100% good. He is completely 100% perfect. He is completely 100% light. There is zero darkness in him at all. When you get to heaven, you will not even be able to see your shadow. That entire city just emanates light from God's presence. There will not be any tears, any pain, any sorrow. It is a complete reflection of who God is. Complete perfection, complete joy, complete healing. That is who God is. And we are a part of that kingdom. And we get to be ambassadors or agents of his kingdom. uh, And agents of that that power that he has. That power to bring life to dead situations. That power to, to bring healing to those who are sick. That power to bring freedom to those who are oppressed. And we get to use the authority of the name of Jesus. Amen? So so bad things are not from God. Let's just get that straight. I'm going to kind of talk about how to overcome even when you're dealing with difficulty, but that difficulty is not from God. If you assign it to God, you immediately lose. Theology matters. Doctrine matters. Using your brain matters. When I was just four or five years old, growing up in Kit Carson, my parents lived in, in, in these apartments for, for low-income housing, and one time I snuck away and I started evangelizing. I, I was called to preach at a young age. Fire was shut up in my bones. And my parents found me talking to the neighbor, and I was saying, the devil is bad and God is good. I was a better preacher at age five than a lot of preachers out there today. Because I knew there was a devil and he was bad and did bad stuff and there's a God and he's good and he wants to do good stuff. And he demonstrated it through the person of Jesus and if you ask Jesus into your life, God will, it's going to radically affect your life and those around you. 
It's going to pour out onto other people around you. You know, I, I understood John 10.10 at a young age. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant, period. John 10.10, that should be the basis for everything that you, you process and think. If, if it's bad, if it's trying, that, that's not from God. But God has placed something on the inside of you that is greater, that has already overcome. This is the victory. Paul writes it this way in 2 Corinthians 4. You can turn there if you'd like, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 through 10. It says, we are hard-pressed on every side. So Paul's saying, I, you know, I, I'm... I've been experiencing difficulty. You, you there in the Corinthian church, you've been experiencing difficulty, but we are not crushed. I love that he, he has a but or a yet after each one of these statements. Yes, you can acknowledge what's happening, but you need to also acknowledge what's happening in, in the spirit realm on the inside of you. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed. You might not have all the answers, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And I love that he gives the, the, the reason why we are indestructible. Because we carry about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. There is something on the inside of you. If you are born of God, there's something incorruptible on the inside of you in your spirit that cannot be destroyed, that cannot be, be crushed. There is a pressure on the inside of you that is greater than any pressure that, than the, that the enemy or the world can put on you. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. There is the faith of Jesus Christ on the inside of you, and that is greater than any pressure from the outside. And God has created us with, with, this, with this thing, the life of Jesus in us, this faith in us, that when we are facing, when you encounter you know, something, a result of the enemy, something that... that the enemy is trying to do, trying to steal, kill, or destroy, there's something inside of us that can... That can overtake the world and the power of the enemy. There's something on, and it, it's our faith. There has to be a release of faith. You can't just sit down and do nothing. There has to be a release of faith. As a, as a hobby and um, uh, just something I've been interested in for the past several years, I've been collecting and buying and selling high-end watches, and I, I learned the history of, of a famous diving watch that can withstand great um, pressure underwater can go down really deep underwater. There, um, Rolex made a famous diver watch called the Submariner, and the Submariner was created with a device that had a little valve in the side of the case. And this little valve, it's called a helium release valve, and it can withstand great pressure because as it goes down, there is a release. Actually, pressure can build up in the watch and cause it to break and, and water to seep in and, and corrupt it but there is a device that can release this pressure, release, um, it's called a helium valve because only hydrogen atoms or helium atoms can escape through that valve. The valve is so tight, so small, that only, only atoms with atomic number one or atomic number two. A hydrogen atom just has one proton and neutron. It's a very small atom. A helium atom only has two, a very small atom as well. Only those atoms can be released, so it releases enough gas, enough pressure that it doesn't, that it doesn't crumble and let water seep in. And at the same time, the valve does not let water come in and corrupt it. As believers, we have this valve 
this thing that causes us that we cannot be corrupted by this world, all the junk that is in this world. There is a lot of corruption, a lot of destruction, a lot of darkness in the world, but there's, there, we have this valve that causes us to be able to affect the world, to be able to release our faith, but not allow the world to taint us or corrupt us. And that is our faith. This is the victory. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So when you're facing things that come from the enemy, you release faith. You release joy. Joy is the attitude of faith. I've always had a little bit of an attitude problem. My dad would tell me as a kid, you better lose that attitude. I'm going to tell you today, you better keep that attitude. You better get an attitude. You better get a joy attitude. Joy is the attitude of faith. Whenever the enemy wants you to lose that attitude, you just get more of an attitude. You just count it more joy. You just dig a little deeper. Shout a little more. Praise God a little louder. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When, when the enemy is trying to come and, and, and kill, steal, or destroy, you count it all joy. You thank God. You praise God. You release your faith because that produces patience. That's from James 1, verse 2. We have supernatural joy on the inside. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Keep an attitude of joy. All right, now I'm going to get to my message. I was just preaching myself happy today. I actually want to share from the life of Jacob, someone who who faced great difficulty, great trials, great pressure from the outside, but overcame. He really overcame. And and, um, we're going to look at the life of Jacob to um, learn some lessons from the life of Jacob today on how to be victorious and overcome even during great difficulty. So my first point is that you need to remember that you are blessed. There is great power in the blessing of God. If you have said yes to Jesus, you are blessed. You are not cursed, period. I don't care what you've done, what what people have done to you. If if Jesus is on the inside of you, you are completely 100% blessed and you cannot be cursed. So let's look at Genesis 27. We'll start in verse 46. And I'm, for time's sake, I'm picking up a little bit in the middle of the story. So um, Jacob was one of two brothers. He was the younger brother. Um, his older brother Esau um, really didn't like him that much. The Bible actually says he comforted himself by wanting to kill him. Doesn't sound like a great, you know, family dynamic there. And um, kind of the backstory to this, you know, Isaac and Rebekah had two, two twins. Um, Esau came out first. So uh, according to, um, you know, Hebrew tradition, the oldest son would get a, a double portion of, of the birthright, of the inheritance. So that, that was Esau's birthright. I, I'm the oldest of three, so I, I get triple the birthright, triple the inheritance, triple the good looks, triple the, the anointing, triple the... But Esau, the Bible, says that is, they, the Bible says that he despised his birthright. He didn't really, know, he didn't really value what he had. And the story that goes behind this, Esau had been out hunting all day. He came back very hungry. He saw his younger twin brother, Jacob, cooking some bean soup. And he said, I'd really like some of that bean soup. And, and Jacob understood the laws of supply and demand. He understood economics. He knew he could sense 
that there was a great demand for this bean soup. So because there's such a great demand, he decided to jack up the prices really high. How many of you, you know, with all the supply chain stuff going on there, there are people like Jacob out there in the world who just jack up the price of eggs or jack up the price of gas or whatever, you know, or housing. And, and, uh, but God can bless you despite that. Amen? So Jacob, you know, jacked up the price quite a bit. He said, all right, I'll give you this bean soup, but this is the price. You'll have to give me your birthright. Give me your double inheritance. And Esau, this is actually a very spiritual thing. It says that he said, sure, I'll do that. If, if I don't eat this bean soup right now, I'll die. I'm just so hungry. I'm so... And, and he, he um, traded his rights for some beans. It didn't even have any meat in it. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, it, I could, if it had some steak or some good southern cooking, maybe... A little bit higher, but no, he traded this incredible value. He despised his birthright for, for these beans. And as believers, we, we actually get an inheritance. There are birthrights, things that, that belong to us because we've been born again through Jesus. And the Bible says we actually, we don't have a lesser inheritance. We all are made co-heirs with Jesus. That means what, what Jesus paid for on the cross that we get to partake of that equally. We have an equal right to, to what he paid for at the cross. We, we get to have, have a right to have his righteousness, his forgiveness, his life, his healing, his provision because of what he did at the cross. And when the enemy wants you to, to do an exchange for something, get you to give up your birthright, it's never worth it. And the thing that he has, you know, that he wants to trade you for, that he wants to trade you your joy for, your peace for, your right, your healing for, it's always worth less than, than a bowl of beans. So don't despise the birthright. So later on, um, Isaac was getting up in age, and he wanted to pray a final blessing over his two sons. Isaac understood the power in the spoken blessing. There is great power in the spoken blessing. And Jacob, Jacob knew that there was great power in the spoken blessing. He really wanted that, that, that great blessing that Isaac was going to give. And he, he believed, and his mother believed, that that greater blessing, that greater spoken blessing was going to go to the firstborn. So um, as Isaac was getting ready to bless his two sons, he told Esau, go hunt, um, get me some, some meat stew. I, I, you know, he doesn't want just bean soup. He wanted meat stew. And... Um, when you come back, I'm going to bless you. But while he was out hunting, Rebecca um, told Jacob, Jacob was her favorite. He's kind of a mama's boy. Said, you, you, you know, you need to go kind of deceive your dad, make him think you're the older one. And um, I'll, I'll, let's go kill a lamb, make some soup with it so he thinks that you hunted. Um, here, wear some, some sheep hair on your arms to, to make him think that you're the hairier brother. Esau was a hairier person. And... Um, um, you'll get that greater blessing. So Jacob did this, and, and he got that greater blessing. Later on, Esau came in after the fact and realized what had happened and was just heartbroken. He said, you know, my father, you gave that blessing to Jacob. He deceived you. Don't you still have it? Can, can you take it back and give me that blessing? And Isaac said something really powerful. He said, I can't reverse what I've spoken. There is tremendous power both spiritually and in the physical realm when you speak blessing, especially over your children. Over, we need to speak, speak the blessing 
the blessing of God over our children, um, over this church, over people. And um, he, he still blessed Esau, but, but he, he was very upset by what had happened. So this, this is where we pick up our story. Genesis 27, verse 41, it said, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah, the mother. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to, to my brother Laban in Haran, stay with him a few days. I like that she said just a few days. She was hoping this, this would boil over very quickly. Um, he actually did not return for, for almost 14 years, a very long time. Just a few days until your brother's fury turns away. And when he came back, I don't think his brother's fury was turning away. When, when Esau heard that Jacob was coming back, he actually rounded up 400 people, 400 men to go out and greet Jacob. I wonder what he's going to, you know, I don't think it's just to have a, you know, a cake and wear silly hats. And I don't think it's one of those kind of family reunions. Until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him, then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? So um, when she's speaking about the daughters of Heth, um, Esau had taken two, two Hittite wives. They were not... Um, they were not wives of the covenant. They didn't believe in the one true God. He just took, took these two wives. It's actually a reflection of his relationship with God. He despised his birthright. He despised his relationships. He didn't really honor his, his parents. He didn't really honor God. And he just took, took these um, wives of the daughters of Heth. And my, my point from this is you really need to be careful who you align yourself with relationally. When you honor God, you're going to honor God with your relationships. You know, honor people, and relationships affect your destiny. God will affect your destiny. He will affect your life through relationships, through marriage, through relationships with your kids, through, through, through who, who you decide to be your pastor, who you ask to be authority figures in your life. We need to honor people that, that God has placed in our life. We need to honor people who have positively affected our destiny. And don't join yourself to people who lack honor, people who are negative, people who speak poorly of the people that God has placed in your life. There is, there's tremendous um, destiny-shaping power in, in relationships. And I love what happens next here in, in chapter 28, verse 1. Isaac, because he knew the power of the spoken blessing, he wanted to just bless Jacob one more time. I love it. He just wanted to pray one more time, bless him one more time. So it says, Isaac called Jacob, blessed him, and charged him, and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Now, when I was a young man, I, I, I was like 16 at the time, and um, I had kind of a little budding relationship happening. You know, spring was in the air, and, and there's a girl. I, you know, I played flute, so I was around girls all the time. This other flute player in the band kind of liked me. I kind of liked her, and my, my, I think my brothers told my dad about it, and my dad kind of asked about her, you know, is she, is she, you know, a believer? I said, no, she's kind of like the, the daughter, he, he assumed that she was one of these daughters of Heth, 
And, he's, and he, didn't, he didn't tell me what to do. You know, my dad's actually a great teacher. And great teachers don't just tell you what to do. They want you to hear from God yourself. My dad wouldn't try to be the voice of God to me and my brothers. He would, he would try to teach us how to hear God's voice ourselves. So at the age of 16, I wasn't really hearing God too clearly. He just said, well, Aaron, go downstairs and read Judges 16 and then come back and talk to me. So I went down and read Judges 16, and that was the story of Samson and Delilah. <laughs> and he just said, you know, when I came back, he said, well, what, what has God spoken to you? And I said, well, I shouldn't date this girl. She's a daughter of Heth. She'll get me off track. And, and um, that was the end of it. And uh, my, my dad didn't make us break up. I just heard from God after reading from the word. God, God we need to hear from the, the voice of God from the word. Amen. And um, when I met Heather, he did not have me read Judges 16. <laughs> thank God. Heather said, thank God. So Isaac said to Jacob, go, go to Padanaram, to the, father, the house of Bethuel, your mother's father. Take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And I love this blessing that he speaks over him. It's super powerful. And actually, later on at the end of my message, I'm going to talk about this blessing because it comes back, because God blesses Jacob with this very same blessing. When you speak a blessing over your children, God hears it, and he, he enacts it, and he blesses you with that. So Isaac speaks over Jacob, and he says, may God Almighty bless you. Last time I preached on a Sunday morning, I preached of the God of more than enough. I preached about the revelation that Abram had when he was 99 years old. He'd been waiting to receive the promised son for, for, for decades, for over 20 years. And then when he was 99, God showed up and said for the first time, I am El Shaddai. I'm God Almighty. I am the God of more than enough. Abram, you need to stop trying to, to add to my promise. Stop trying to add to the blessing. I'm going to take care of it. I am El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. If I have said it, if I have spoken it, if I have blessed it, that is enough. And your name is not Abram anymore. Your name is Abraham, and you are a father of a multitude. You are blessed with the blessing of multiplication. And I love that Isaac, Isaac learned this blessing from his father Abram and now blesses it blesses Jacob with this. This is a multi-generational blessing that God has enacted, but they are speaking. And by speaking, they are causing it to be enacted as well. May God Almighty El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, bless you. It doesn't matter what's going on on the outside, what pressure you may face, what difficulty you may, may face. God Almighty is going to bless you. He's going to make you fruitful and multiply you. There is a blessing of multiplication. I believe that God wants to bless each and every one of you. Those of you who are born again, that is part of your birthright, the blessing of multiplication. That means if God did it once, he can do it again. If he healed one guy on a Wednesday night of nerve pain, he can do it again. Mate. You be fruitful, multiply you, that, that you be an assembly of peoples. I love this. In the Hebrew, this is the first time this word is used, kahel, assembly of peoples. It means congregation. There is a blessing on the congregation. There is not a blessing on being isolated. Some people say, well, well because there's difficulty, because there's, you know, the world is dark, we just need to go, go live in a cave and be isolated. We are not called to be isolated. We are called to be a light on the hill, a city that is set on a hill. We cannot put a, a bushel over this light. 
There's a blessing on the congregation. There's not a, crazy things happen when you're isolated. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, look at Lot and his two daughters. You need to get out of the box. We, we are called to, there is a blessing on the congregation. And give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land, that blessing of inheritance. Say, I am an inheritor. Inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. My first point, remember that you are blessed. There is great power in the spoken blessing. Amen? Let's go on here a little bit further in the story. Jacob is running away, fleeing for his life. He literally has nothing, and he has an encounter with God. We all need to have encounters with God. We all need to experience God's presence for ourselves. Amen? And even though he was going through great difficulty, he promised to be a giver. My next point is this, even when you face trying situations, when you face difficulty, keep being a giver. There is supernatural power when you are a giver, when you give of your talent, of your emotions, of your heart, of your finances, there is supernatural blessing attached to to giving, especially to tithing. Let's look at this um, in Genesis 28, starting in verse 10. It says, now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. So he had nothing, he literally had nothing but a stone to sleep on. This is uh, the, the, the amount of desperation that he was facing in life. But God showed up. God spoke to him. God revealed things to him. Verse 12, it said, he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abram, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west. I love what um, Pastor Art was saying during worship. He was just calling people in from the west from the east, from the north, from the south. Your descendants shall be from, from, and spread to the west, the east, the north, and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and, and, and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He had this dream, and he knew it was from God. Every dream that you have as a believer is not necessarily from God. I've had some dreams that I know are not from God. It's just because I ate some old chicken or some old, you know, the ice cream had too much freezer burn on it, and I had just had some weirdo dream. As, as, as spiritually attuned believers, you need to, to ask yourself concerning dreams and even thoughts. You, you, can, you can decide if this is from God or this is not. Every dream that you have is not from God. You know, some people who, who, are, who, who think to themselves to be spiritual have come to my father and said, I had this dream about the church, and, and it's this terrible, horrific dream, and they say, you need to do something about this. And, and as the pastor of this house, he gets to decide if, if this is you know, a word from God for the church or not. He's the one who has that authority. He's the one who can hear from God and say yes or no. And he said no a couple times because he, he knows that that isn't from God. He, he's the one... He's the authority over this house. Does that make sense? You know, I've had, I've had 
for, for me, the majority of my dreams are not from God, but I've had a couple dreams that I know are from God. I've had, I've had one dream that, that, to me, felt very similar to what Jacob experienced. When I was 22, just the summer after my senior year in college, I was playing in a orchestral program in Santa Barbara, California, and um, it, it was one afternoon I, I, I was... I was taking a nap, I'd then go to dinner and do a concert, so I was trying to get rest before this concert. And I took a nap, and during my nap, I had a dream kind of like what Jacob dreamed. I had this dream that I was back in Kit Carson, where I grew up from, where I had first encountered God myself, a place that was like Bethel to me, the house of God to me. And I was standing out in this field right in front of our church that my dad planted, Church of the Redeemed, and I was standing out in this field, it was like wheat was growing all around me, and suddenly there was a group of people that encircled me, and all these people I could tell were not believers. They were, they were uh, you know, just, just dealing with oppression, dealing with demonic stuff in their lives, these strongholds. And I even saw this one person with, like, this eye that was gouged out. And I was just singing to the Spirit, and, and I was playing my flute as this was happening. And then I, I set my flute down and just started praying over these people and seeing deliverance and healing and salvation. And uh, when I woke up from this dream, I remember, like, being awake felt less real than what I just dreamed. That dream felt more real to me than, than being awake. And when I went to dinner, talked to my friends, played that concert, the whole time, that felt like a lesser reality than what I just experienced during that dream. And in my heart, I knew that was from God. Amen. And God, God has brought, I, I, you know, I, I set out for one career for playing the flute, but now God has, has me doing something else. Amen. And uh, God, God can reveal things to you, but as a believer, you need to, you, you need to have the maturity and the discernment to decide if, if this voice, this, this dream, th- these thoughts are from God or not. Amen? So he had this dream, and, and he said, this, this was God. Verse 16, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, Bethel, and this is the gate of heaven. He saw, he saw right into the realm of the spirit. So even though in the natural, he had nothing. He, he was running away for his life. He was sleeping on a, on a rock as his pillow. He had nothing. He saw into the realm of the spirit. As believers, you need to realize that there are things going on in the realm of the spirit right now. Here in this church, there, there, there is angelic activity going on right now. You might not be able to see it, you might not be able to feel it, but things are happening in the realm of the Spirit right now. Jacob rose early in the morning, verse 18, took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been loosed previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, I love this vow, this prayer, it's a very powerful prayer. And I'll tell you about it. If you're taking notes, you can, you can write this down. But it's a four P's prayer. He prayed, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. He prayed a four P's prayer. He prayed for God's presence. He prayed for God's protection. He prayed for God's provision. And he prayed for God's peace. He said, God, if you will be with me, pray for God's presence. My dad would pray a four P's prayer over me and my brothers every night as we were kids. He said, God, I thank you that you're with my son, Aaron. I thank you that you will never leave him nor forsake him. I thank you that your presence is with him wherever he goes. He'd pray God's presence over me. He would, he would pray protection. Every, every night over me and my brothers, he would pray that, that God would give angels. There are angels. There are our are, 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 
beings in the spirit realm that, that have a purpose to affect us in the natural realm. He, he would pray that angels would protect us, and he'd pray that we would not even break any bones. To this day, me and my younger brothers have never broken a single bone. You might say, well, that's not a big deal, Aaron. You just preach and play the flute. <laughs> but my, you know, I got in some pretty you know, rough tumble fights with my brothers, and they, they were very strong. They could both bench twice their body weight. They would, I think my brother Peter weighed 170. He could bench 340 pounds. My brother Andrew weighed 160. He could bench 320. Um, one, one time I arm wrestled Andrew. This is when he started playing football and getting really strong, and I beat him. And he thought, you had, you're, you're a Jacob, you're a supplanter, you're a cheater. <laughs> and um, there's no way this flute player can beat me, the, you know, the starting running back of the high school football team. And we called Peter in to be the judge to make sure I wasn't cheating. And, and, I, and I kept my arm on the table and I beat him again. And, and, um, and Peter said, no, he won fair and square. And I started singing this song, I'm the champion, you are a loser. <laughs> and um, this anger aroused in my brother Esau, I mean Andrew, and... I fled for my life. My arm was really strong because I could hold this arm up for six hours a day. <laughs> but they both played football. They never broke a single bone. You know, they both played, played you know, were, were all-star football players in, in high school. Peter actually went to Princeton to play football, and they, they never broke a bone. I play, pray the same prayer over my kids. You know, just the other day, I, I walked in, into the basement where our kids play, and um, the, the door to one of our guest rooms had been opened, and, and in the guest room, um, Ada had gotten in there, and she pulled out a chair, climbed up on this desk, and dropped a, a vase full of seashells. And there was glass all over, and it had been down there for a couple days, and um, I, I, I assumed it was Ada. Fisher said he did not do it, so it <laughs> must have been Ada. And um, it looked like, you know, someone little had tried to climb up there and find these precious things, and... Um, and um, there were little pieces of glass all over that room. Actually, all she even dragged some pieces of glass into the, the, the toy closet. And I just picked up one piece of glass and cut myself. But Ada, you know, barefoot, two years old, I, I didn't see a drop of blood anywhere. We never heard her cry. I, I, every night I pray that angels protect Ada. And I know that this little squirmy, that the angels were protecting her. I don't know how she didn't get cut. Because within, you know, like one second of picking this stuff up, I cut myself. And she had taken these, these shards of glass all over thinking they were little toys or something. I don't, I don't know. But, but she has angels. I pray, Psalm 91, that angels take charge over. We are to pray God's presence, his protection, and even his provision. That you give bread to me to eat and clothing to put on. And also to pray peace. So I come back to my father's house in peace. God can give you supernatural peace in your relationships. Esau wanted nothing more than to kill Jacob, he, he got 400 servants ready, ready to go to just go at it, have this great family reunion, but God did something in the realm of the spirit. He shifted his heart and brought supernatural peace. And, and I love what happens here after he prays this. Verse 22, it says, he set up an altar there. He, he said, this stone which I've set up as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. He, he, he learned the tithe from his grandpa, Abraham. Abraham was a tither. He knew there was blessing associated with it. And he knew that, that, when, that there is a strong correlation, a strong correlation between the tithe and an open heaven. 
between the gate of heaven, between the doors of heaven, the windows of heaven. Malachi 3 verse 10 puts it this way, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angels' armies. If I will, I love that it says the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. We need to pay attention to what name of God is being used. Talking about the tithe, try me now, and this is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angel armies. Jacob saw this vision of angels and decided he was going to tithe. There is a strong correlation between angelic activity and the tithe. Angels are sent to do two primary things, I believe. Angels are sent to protect, but also to enact provision. I believe that Jacob was seeing these angels, that, that, that they were preparing a way for him to be blessed and to be provided for. You know, Jacob, Jacob was in some trying situations. His boss, his father-in-law, would change his wages time and time after again. If, if he realized that most of the lambs were streaked, he would say, well, Jacob, you get all the speckled ones. And then something would happen in the realm of the spirit where all the lambs that were born were then born streaked. And, and if, if Laban changed it, then it would reverse again. Something was happening behind the scenes. I believe that there is something happening in the realm of the spirit, something happening... Um, angelically. Angels protect and provide. Hebrews 1.14 says about angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for who? For those who will say, I have an inheritance. Inherit salvation. If you're going to inherit salvation, there are angels sent forth on your behalf that are going to protect you and provide for you. Amen? And angels are real, and I believe that when we, when we enact that, that blessing for the tithe, that, that it, it just stirs up that angel activity. When, when we first bought this property, this church, we bought it for $5.7 million, renovated it for $2 million. We, we initially didn't want to go this far north, but, but God just opened the door. It was an open door. We knew it was God. All, all my dad's advisors, the elders of the church said, yes, this is God. Go for it. Shortly after, after moving in here, um, the building was evaluated, and, and it was evaluated for triple what, it, what we paid for it. It, it was a, a tither's blessing. This is a tithing church. We give at least 10% to outside missions and ministries every year. Last year, we gave away 17%, I believe it's like $500,000 to outside missions and ministries. There is a tither's blessing on this church. There is an open window of heaven over this church. There is angelic activity going on in this church right now. When, when we first bought it, my, my dad believed that we would walk in completely debt-free. And God gave him this little silly song. And he would sing it and dance around here on this first step. And I don't know how he didn't trip and fall off while he was dancing and singing this song. But he said, the angels go and the angels come. Money comes in. He would sing about the angels bringing provision, basically. Angels are involved in protection and also provision. Amen. When Jacob came back to this spot years later, he didn't come back with just a, a rock to sleep on. God had blessed him tremendously, amen. He had family, he had children, he had, you know, livestock. He, he had such, such great wealth that he, he, he gave hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of livestock to his brother Esau to try to pacify him. But God really shifted something in Esau's heart. I want to read just a little bit more scripture here. Let's go to Genesis 32. This is um, when Jacob is coming back years later, 14, 15 years later, he, send, he sends the, the gifts to Esau. He, he, 
you know, separates his family in different droves in case they're attacked, that some can escape and survive. And, and he's left alone. Let's start in verse 24. It says, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Uh, I love this, this story here because this, he wrestles with God in the flesh. Whenever you see God in the flesh in the Old Testament, it is Jesus. You know, scholars will say a pre-incarnate form of Jesus. That means it was Jesus before he was born of Mary. But I believe this was, this was Jesus when, when God is manifest in the flesh. I'll, I'll, this is kind of my opinion. When I get to heaven, I'll ask Jacob, hey, that guy that you wrestled, does it look like Jesus here? As I'm talking, you know, to Jesus and Jacob about doctrine and theology. I think Jacob will say, yes, I wrestled Jesus. And, you know, he was in flesh form, so I, I could put up a pretty good fight. I wrestled him all night, and he had to cheat and knock my hip out of joint. <laughs> but Jesus said, you know, I made it up. I, I healed Mario's hip, so I'm not, you know, breaking people's hip. Now I'm healing hips. So the only way that Jesus or this pre-incarnate or the, this man, this, you know, some people might say he was an angel. I don't think he was an angel. I, I think it was God in the flesh because Jacob calls this place Penuel, the face of God. It says, verse 25, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is my last point. Don't let go. Remember that you're blessed. Keep being a giver and never let go of the blessing. Now, never let go of the promises that God has spoken over your life. You know, Jacob had seen it. He had seen that God's blessing was on him. And now it could be wiped out in a single day, in a single battle of Esau's rage. He's saying, God, I, you, you've blessed me. You've, you have promises. And I, I, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting the promise that you're going to protect me, that you're going to provide for me, that your presence is, is with me, and that you give me supernatural peace. I'm going back to this place in peace. He would not let go unless he was fully blessed. Verse 27, he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob. You aren't a deceiver. You're not a supplanter. But your name is Israel. You are a prince with God. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And God gave him, God fulfilled all of the promise, all of the blessing over his life. Amen. God blessed him supernaturally. He had supernatural, you know, access to God's presence. He had supernatural protection. He had supernatural provision. And lastly, he had supernatural peace. God worked in the realm of the spirit. I don't know how it happened, but something shifted in Esau's heart. God can do things to shift people's hearts in your favor. Amen. He can do supernatural things in your, your family members' lives who've turned away from God. He can do supernatural things in the realm of the Spirit to shift their heart, to bring them back to himself, and to bring them back into your family. Amen. God is still doing supernatural things, so don't let go of his promise. Don't let go of his blessing and realize that you have already overcome. There's something on the inside of you. The faith of Jesus, the life of Jesus is on the inside of you, and, and you are not a victim trying to be a victor. You already have the victory. Say, this is the victory. That has overcome. That has overcome the world. 
even our faith. So release your faith. Amen? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? So release that faith and watch God do the supernatural. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.